Okay, welcome to the first ever episode of Dedicated by Faith. Uh, this show is about Islam and it's basically more of a free podcast of discussion between us. Uh, my name is Asad and joining me as well as the co-host is Saad. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Hope you're all well and in the best of health and iman inshallah Like my brother here Asad was saying That today is the podcast of Dedicated by Faith This is a series of discussion which we have started And we aim to get as much as knowledge out to you as yeah. possible So I thought we decided that it will probably be best if we talked about uh, one of the five pillars of Islam. Now, um, the first pillar we're talking about today is going to be faith. Now, as part of being a Muslim, uh, faith is quite important and pay, plays a key role in our daily lives. Very um, true. One of the stuff that we always... Um, because of this aspect, um, we thought we might as well start with the five pillars. So, Saad, so tell me, what is faith to you in Islam? It's a guideline of living life according to the Sunnah and the way of the Prophet, peace be upon him. And it's a role, I'll say, it's like a line of um, direction. Faith can direct you to many parts of life, many aspects of life, and it can also direct you to many, many, um, what can I say, ranking or stages of life. If you follow the correct teachings of the Ras- Prophet wasallam and the companions of Rasulullah wasallam. Okay, so for me, faith is... Like I said, it's a key part of Islam, but it's also how I behave as a Muslim. Now, considering how this current generation that we have, where it's internet's everything, I mean, people on Twitter, Facebook, I'm not saying that's bad. Um, there's a lot of misinformation or information that's not fully, um, I would say, defined. And I, I think what worries me is in Islam you're supposed to learn knowledge now if you are if you heard something it is in your own interest to actually find and research what someone has said and I believe in um, doing a lot of research and whilst you are in that stage I think what happens is that part of the aspect is where faith into we uh, basically that's where you build up faith I mean if you think about it it all makes sense if you study in a subject and if you studying it day in day out or I don't know if you're doing it every afternoon you realize you become more interested like history I mean no one likes history well sorry there, there are some people who like history. Historical people. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Historical people. They call students, <laughs> but they they like going back in time, so they want to invent a time machine. So you call them historical okay, people. Okay. 
doctor they invented time machines okay um no one has invented time a bit like the so. doctor who the telephone box <laughs> anyway we're coming off topic yeah we are certainly indeed coming off topic all right so um what i'm trying to say is if you study a lot um stu- t- study teaching of islam and also find out um specifically the books and what the prophet peace be upon him has said as well as what islam is generally is i think that reinvigorates your faith i've recently went on umrah and i'll be honest with you brother brothers and sisters it was a very life-changing experience at the same time i felt unworthy of going there at my time not specifically oh if i'm unworthy muslim it's just felt that i was so unprepared and it's not something that i can actually describe in words but what i can say it definitely is an eye changer and it has basically improved me in terms of my faith and i think what the beauty of this is it just it's something that i can probably most muslims that who's been around i can relate to i mean if you think about it when you go into um to the kaaba and then going to medina they these two had a massive impact and i felt my faith in islam renewed it's not something that i can describe i would say an everyday experience but this was like once in a lifetime and i felt like this was something that i needed to go to and you see all of these um been on social media been in and the uk for example there's a lot of distractions and going somewhere like saudi arabia in makkah and medina and you hear in the azan wake up in the morning and pray as well as going there the heart of islam you can't help but feel one day feel like you're part of something massive that you're part of a 1.7 billion muslims that basically pray and are in the same religion and it just i can't describe it it just feel like i've had a eye open of how my faith in islam is i mean granted i i don't pray five times i have started to do that but generally before this i didn't used to pray five times a day um i try to avoid uh when i'm at home reading for some reason but now because i'm back i've back from umrah i've started praying more five times a day alhamdulillah but what i'm trying to say is faith is what you make it and i think in islam it plays a plays a key role definitely does so i think that's for me um this recent life changing experience have has kind of reinvigorated i want to say kind of it has reinvigorated um my faith in islam i mean fair enough i'm not the most knowledgeable of a muslim but i do know that i do need to well study and more learn but at the same time i need to make sure that my own research of how islam is and i'm performing islam and doing the correct ways without causing any shirk or doing something that's 
basically a sin. That's modern faith in terms of Islam. Where I don't know about you. Um, what's your faith in Islam? I mean, how do you wake up in the morning? How do you see your faith? Basically, obviously, recently, whilst you was here, I was back in Pakistan. I travelled to Pakistan. Right, right. It was the same feeling like you described about Saudi, but obviously. There is different because you're close by a mosque where you hear the prayer again five times a day and you obviously go in five times a day. Whilst I was out there, obviously, I've been going to the mosque, been praying. But the only thing that actually got me questioning my own soul was if a country says that it's the... The name of Pakistan is known as Islamic Republic of Pakistan. And if it really says that, then why is there no one ever in the masjid? This was a question that raised right. whilst I was yeah, there. Yeah, because there's, I mean... Because what I've seen is, is very sad for me. I, I, I'm extremely gutted. I mean, azan happens, there's no one there to pray, there's no imam in the masjid. The doors are open, people come in and pray and go. I mean, if you're living in a Muslim country, surely there's got to be a system in place which connects you to your Lord. Yeah, that's that's different from what I, what I experienced in Saudi Arabia. There were a lot of people on shops and shop fronts, but the beauty of that is I saw before, uh, firsthand is there were shops that closed down when there was on. People will actually close down their shops and went to Azar, uh, play namaz. Yeah, people leave their businesses open or they don't have a padlock up to go and read namaz. No, they know. Uh, surprisingly, they the, did padlock them. The laws, but, uh, but the laws are no, strict no, no, in Saudi. It's not that, but I think it's more of them being more connected. I mean, because they've got Al-Haram Sharif there. Exactly. But right? they're, they're, in Centre, they're in that city where the beloved Prophet grew and he played and he walked. And obviously, so basically those cities... Makkah and Medina are sinless because people can't even think about committing a sin whilst being there. Yeah, but there's also Saudi Arabia being Saudi Arabia. Um, yeah, it's the birthplace of Islam. I mean, there's a lot of things that you can't do over there, and there's other stuff uh, that we should be proud of. Like, True. an example is I've seen firsthand when I went to Al Haram Sharif. When the azan was, pr- uh, when there was time for namaz, there was azan. You see thousands and thousands of people just gathering at Al Haram Sharif, and they were just going for prayers. I kid you not, the the rows for prayer rows they were completely filled, and it was a thing of beauty. You just sit there and you just on the stone wall, uh, stone floor, marble floor, right, and. Um, you see thousands of people going and then if you sit down and in the Juma time and you see like literally you see I'm not talking you see that like Lord of the Rings when you see Lord of the Rings where the I can't remember the scene but they basically go underneath the Dolphin Kingdom and there's like massive columns and you, you basically it's like that I kid you not there was literally full of people in the Masjid Al-Haram praying and they just felt subhanAllah Alhamdulillah it's it just like it was beautiful and what can I say it's just it's one of those things that I think is a wonder of the world and I think when you're sitting in there 
praying and you're thinking, wow, I'm part of something big and this religion and all of these people around me are the same faith. They have the same dedication. And I just kept in wonder. I thought this was amazing. I, I don't know about you, but that literally was an eye-opener. I mean, growing up, I mean, you go to the mosque over here, you only see, what, like 500 people, right? And then you do 500 people when you see, what, when you go to, uh, today is uh, 12 Rabia, if I'm not no, mistaken? No, today is not 12 Rabia, today what? is the 11th Rabia. Today is the 11th Rabia. So, where we live, there's obviously a Jalus, which is basically a... Um, it's a procession which we carry out. So we walk on the roads, we march in public to show our love and our um, oneness and closeness towards the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And it's also um, <coughs> a way of us commemorating the coming of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and also it's the day when it's a month when they were born. Right. Um, so, um, but very unfortunately, in the same month, they also went from this world. And basically, what I was trying to say is from this milad, you see, there's like hundred, I would say hundreds of people attending it. By the way, we are we are Sunni Muslims, just in case anyone is wondering, and. Um, I know there's some fact, sects of Islam that actually don't celebrate the Prophet Muhammad but um, if you are quite offended um, then maybe this isn't the podcast for you but uh, we're, we're just two people trying to spread more awareness of Islam by I would say going through these uh, five pillars first because hopefully our program is to do the five pillars of Islam first. Now obviously the first one is the faith, um, which is an important role. And I think faith is is one of those pillars of Islam where it varies between individual. But I think, but the faith, it, because it varies to different individuals, there's always one faith of being a Muslim. But the level of faith is completely different. Now, my level of faith is completely different to yours as well as to Saad's. Wouldn't you agree? And I would. It can do. So, apologies if this podcast is not uh, in a um, formal format. We're at the moment, because it's the first one, we're kind of mixing it out. We're trying to get into... Um, the flow of it. Yeah, exactly, see? And there will be, I would say, mistakes. And so I do apologise. We apologised. Um, yeah, so the format hopefully is to have brief half an hour to an hour sessions. Yeah. Let's see how far. I mean, it depends on the subject. But what we're trying to do is basically spread awareness, like we said, of Islam. But we're not prominent we're trying scholars. to bring people closer yep. to the religion yeah but at the same time we're not prominent scholars, scholars we're not imams we're not hajis we're not 
Maldives, we're just two people um, basically sharing our experiences. Of, we're students Islam. of knowledge. Yeah, elegantly said, we're students of knowledge. I am currently getting taught by one of the very, should I say, best people or scholars. So yeah, it advice from them, <coughs> learn from them while I'm walking with them. Um, they've been teaching me very a lot. So yeah. right, but at the moment, this podcast is basically our views of Islam and our interpretations of the pillars of Islam and what our experiences from these five pillars has taught us. I mean, this might be a different level from where you are. At, which is perfectly fine. It's just, it's more of aimed of just sharing our experiences, getting it out there. We've been fed faith on a spoon, I'd say. Really? Yeah. Because we're born Muslims, we didn't have to convert. We're, yeah, There true. are many people in this world, in this whole, let's say, 21st century, that do come from other religions. They see the beauty of Islam. They see the way of life that Islam has. And they wish to live the life and they wish to join the religion. And then they do make their mind and they do convert. So, that's an interesting Funny enough, question. I converted, a brother, I converted a brother about six months ago. Alhamdulillah, today he's full-blown his religion. He's learning a lot, which I didn't expect from him. Okay, so, whilst we're on that topic... Um, what made you think that he converted? He um, greeted me in a way. I walked up to him. I, I thought he was a typical British white boy. So I was like, hello mate. And then he was like, assalamu alaikum. And I was like, hang on. That's what we Muslims say to one another. And he goes, funny enough, I've been growing my beard because I'm thinking of becoming a Muslim. So that was an opportunity for me in life. To actually bring someone into this religion. MashaAllah. And um, again, the point all comes back and forth on faith. So obviously I told him bits and bobs about the religion. How it was founded and how we live our life. And he seemed very interested. He, he seemed very interested. So he told me, he said to me, let's go to the local mosque. So I'm here now calling the local imam on his phone. Organize an appointment with him. He told me to come down, took him to the evening, he read the kalima, accepted Islam, and the brother fell in tears. Started to cry. MashaAllah, MashaAllah. So, let's let's focus on this, right? Now, as a Muslim, and like you said, we've been spoon-fed this since the day we were born, because we were born as Muslims. How did it feel to actually revert a person back into Islam I mean in terms of your faith how did it make you feel inside I mean it made me want to cry emotionally it made me emotionally want to cry because nevertheless I had thought that I'd be given an opportunity in life to actually um, take on a deed that good I mean there are many other things we do on a day-to-day life we help people from little things to big things we assist people with difficulties we Give money to people on roads who are struggling. That's all deeds. They're getting written by the two angels we have on our shoulder. That's also part of our belief. We call them Munkir and Nakir. So the one on the right is called Munkir. The one on the left is called Nakir. 
So the left guy has the job of writing all your bad, let's say, sins. God forbid we don't take that path. The one on the right writes all your good deeds. So whatever you do throughout the day, who you help, how you talk to other people, how you respect your elders, which is also part of the religion. And it also comes falls back under faith because faith teaches you to apply all these things in your life. Anyways, when I converted him, I emotionally started to cry inside and I was thanking the Lord that had been granted the opportunity. That's good. That's, that's bring a very good religion. So alhamdulillah, it all worked out. And today he's so as as you okay. So, mashallah, to see it's nice to see your brother doing good and keeping up to your face. So, generally, I know you were starting crying inside when he reverted, right? But since then, has your faith in Islam or your belief in um what's the word I'm looking for? You, your faith, Iman, is it Iman? Iman is faith, yes. Your Iman, yes. Your Iman, has that grown? I mean, explain to me if that's made a difference in, has it increased or has it gone down? My Iman, obviously, is it's increasing day by day, I'd say. There, there's many opportunities which I've taken on, for example, from the conversion up until now. When I read Islamic books about basic history of the religion, it makes me proud and it makes me happy. So it helps me in a way to boost my iman and think, wow, I'm part of the religion which is spreading no, that, that, widely. Yeah, that that's martial art. Because it's, it's expanding. Yeah. It is expanding, mashallah. I mean, we're the second largest uh, religion in the entire world. I tell you what, one thing that really interested me, um, you know, reading the battles as well as uh, the story of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, going to Saudi Arabia and seeing Medina Sharif, and to see uh, the places where the Prophet had had battles as well as where Masjid um, al-Nur. There's Masjid al-Fajr, there's Masjid al-Jummah And to see where the Prophet ﷺ sat between two on near a well Those were really an eye-opener Because reading about this stuff is completely different to when you go in there, right? I mean, from my experience, I've learned about these places before by reading up on them but it didn't make sense because with me it's more of like I have to be there in the place to see where it transpired. Reading upon something, it 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 seems a bit more I would say more knowledgeable. But going there is actually more personal because you're sitting in the near the foot. You're following almost the footsteps footsteps of the prophets, Prophet Muhammad Not literally, but you actually going to places where the Prophet has been in Medina Sharif where where they walked through the alleys. Um obviously the alleys are no longer existence but you can get the general sense of an idea is where everything was. But you can also see where the battles taken place, where the mountains where the Prophet used to sit, where you kind of get the idea of where it is and 
reading on these stuff and then basically being there, it kind of clicked for me. And I think that incident, in that sense, I've actually gone, my faith in Islam has increased a lot because of this personal experience. And brothers and sisters, whoever has the opportunity, who is lucky enough, I would recommend going to Umrah and inshallah one day I perform I like to perform the Hajj. Um there are conditions it is it is, it is yeah that's true. Uh I would recommend you cuz um you never know when you life's up. That's one of the key things I think. Sorry to interrupt you over here. I just want to mention one thing quickly. Um when you go on Hajj there are many um Yeah, I know that. We are we are doing the discussion, but that's another topic because Hajj is a five pillars of Islam. Yeah. So okay, that, where we're that, just, that we're point just, can come in there, no yeah, problem. That's so fine. It's I'll, just that Hajj is a Hajj is a different topic. No, I thought I'd just quickly Yeah, just, because uh, of the five explain to you yeah, but, but it's fine but generally we'll, we'll what discussing I'm, that topic, no what I'm discussing here no Saad is basically you should go for it. I mean, if you're going for Umrah, you should go for it. If you think you're going Umrah, take someone, take a family member, go in a group. I would recommend going in a group with 5-10 people or maybe 30 people. Because if you go in a group, then you're going to go to the Arabs where, where the Prophet's been. They can tell you, they can, there's guides there, they will tell you where this is where the Prophet's uh, mosque is. This is obviously you know where that is. But generally, Masjid al-Nur, Masjid al-Fajr, uh, there's a lot of places in Medina Sharif. You have Gari Hira, and, the and cave where the Prophet stayed for three days. That's in Makkah Sharif. Yeah, I'm just yeah. pointing because it's coming yeah, up to me. Because you need to be closer to the microphone, my friend, okay. because yeah. you can't get there, stand yeah, all so the way So Gari Hira, like I was saying, is the cave yeah, where the Prophet I've stayed. I've been actually there. I've actually seen it. The Prophet, when there's a story with connected to that cave... The Prophet went inside there, basically they were travelling from um, Makkah Sharif and they were on a, they were I think on a destination going towards Medina or something. At that, that time people used to walk through one place to another and whilst the Prophet was um, walking, um, there was some people that were after the Prophet and they were called the Hawariji, they're the people's, like the enemies. And they wanted to attack Rasulullah sallallahu So they came in with the intention of performing Umrah. But in the ikhram they had weapons. And they said when we see Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, We're going to straight away attack him without any let or hindrance. So this guy he came in one first. And he come and asked people. Have you seen the Prophet? Obviously they used to call him by name But due to respect I'm not going to say what they used to say Anyhow They used to say Where's the Prophet And once a guy said I don't know They attacked him Then they wanted to ultimately attack the Prophet And cause harm To the body of Rasulullah And when They saw that Rasulullah Was walking From Mecca to Medina and there were so many people with the Rasulullah i.e. the companions and the Sahaba. They thought a man with this much group of people, he's just going to one destination to another and he's got so many people with him. It was a quality because Rasulullah when 
he looked at the person who was coming to attack Rasulullah. Rasulullah said, said, if he's come to attack me, I'm going to still greet him with a smile. That's, that's the that's the one da- one one softness of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi that anyone who he saw that came to attack him he would smile them with happiness and greet and today we guys can't take a little argument from someone and we have to take the law in our own hands but anyway coming back to the story those guys pulled out a weapon on Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi then look at the protection of the sahaba They've been with the Prophet so many times, so for such a long time, they stepped in front and they said, if you want to attack the Prophet, you have to go through us. We're like a wall. So there's three lines of Sahaba, then there's the Prophet, and there's another two lines of the Sahaba. And Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu stood and said, you guys have to go through me before you get to the Prophet. Same with Hazrat Bilal Habshi radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who is known for giving an azan on the roof of the Kaaba. And there's a story with that, but inshallah, <coughs> I'll come back to that story. I'll explain to you guys as well. It's a beautiful story about Hazrat Bilal Habshi radiallahu ta'ala no, them, giving, them not giving azan and the sun not rising. That's the beautiful story. But again, it's a command from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I mean... Islam has so many stories, but we fail to study those. Would you agree with that, my brother? Absolutely. Well, I think in this day and age, it's probably... uh, There's a lot of misinformation. there's There's a lot of misinformation as well as... It's very difficult to study. I would recommend... The most important of all is to actually f- find someone like an imam or a teacher where you're willing to learn Islam from. I mean, it's very easy to just do Google stuff and to find out about um, to find out information, but that information might be wrong. I'm not saying it is wrong, but it might not be. If you are Shia, it might not. It might not be what you believe in. If you are Sunni, it might not be what you believe in. Like I said, it's so much information, it's not very clear and concise. And if it is confusing for you, the best, best advice is to seek an imam or someone who is more knowledgeable in Islam. There are and books I wouldn't, that have been I w- published I, as well. That's true. But I would also recommend that you, sh- you also ask more than one person. Well, right? I because personally think, sorry to you, I personally think when you read that book, you won't need to... Um, what is it? You won't need to ask anyone. Yeah, true. Because but in Islam, you also seek a knowledge of a pious man. That's one of the things, right? Some what my understanding is. Yeah. So, whereas I was used to Google before, I would recommend you sit down um, Jumad Namaz time. You will sit down an hour early, and I would say you listen to what the Imam is saying, and. This has to be like your local mosque or the mosque nearest to you, uh, whatever sect of Islam you follow. But the general idea is basically: look, if you want to learn more, if you want to learn more about Islam, it's best to study against uh, finding a teacher. I mean, there's 
you can be self-taught all you like. I mean, you've got the Quran Park, you've got Bahari Sharif, right? But if you want more knowledge, if you want more faith, I would recommend more knowledge. The more you learn about Islam, the more you learn what the Sahaba Quran, what the Prophet, peace be upon him, <coughs> said and did, I think that faith increases as well as your normal like your daily actions when you're helping somebody, um, tweeting, uh, smiling at everybody. It's the general consent uh, consists of praying five times a day. It all adds up. No matter how little stuff is, you should you learn to combine your research exactly. like you do for your school. Let's say exams you have. You have Article One, Article Two, Article Three. You highlight one point, you go and check if it's in the second article, it's there, okay, you highlight and you connect it together. Likewise, you should connect the book, Sahih Bukhari, you have, you then should look at Abu Dawood, Ibn Majaja, look at the um, Masnad Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal. Find all these points in each every single book. And when you find them, you come and you make your conclusion once you've analysed all four texts. And you think, okay, if Imam Abu Hanifa is saying this, Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal is saying this, Ibn Majaja is saying this, Ibn Dawood is saying this. Then you look at the, you. there's a way I've been taught by my um, teacher, is you look at the chain of transmission. Uh, each hadith has a ten, cha- uh, chain of transmission and it's like from one person to up to ten people. And there's no breakage in between. So basically making sure that the line is not broken. And that whatever these you're looking is authentic, basically. Exactly, yes. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I would say that that's it. Would you need an example of it? Uh, I think we're fine. Uh, we can discuss this in the next podcast. No problem. Um, thank you for tuning in. Uh, I hope this podcast was anyway meaningful and useful for you. Yes. And... I would pray for all of you to have more faith in Islam. Pray May Allah make for it easy family. for you to learn the knowledge of deen and what you learn, what you hear from the prominent scholars of our um, deen. May Allah give you the tawfiq to act upon it. And once you've acted upon it yourself and you think you're on the right path, and may Allah give you the tawfiq to pass that knowledge on to other people. Because it's a hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So I just want to mention this quickly. That once you've learned something, you should pass it on. Yeah, that's because absolutely Because if you don't pass it on, no, no, you're accountable ab- for it on the day of judgment. Absolutely. Right, on that note, uh, we're going to sign off. Thank you very much. You have us tuned in. And we'll hopefully see you next time. Any last words? Jazakumullah khair for your time and we'll be back very soon like my brother has said assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh